0: because he's pretty fast too. He's got long strides. So I run back down to half court and I turn around and I plant myself. Okay, come on, magic. And I'm right there at half court and I kid you not, by the time I turned around and planted, you know where he was? He was behind me. He was behind me. He was so fast and so big and so strong that his strides were so long that he just instantly went right by me. And here I was trying to dig in, and I'm like, oh, you knucklehead, go get him, you know. And I went to catch up with him. And, you know, I begin to think about that, you know, how often that happens in the spiritual life. I mean, we're ready, we're we're standing, and then all of a sudden, something slips right by us because we're not as alert as we should be, or we're not as quick as we should be, even in the spiritual realm. So Paul gives us this stuff here because he wants us to stand, but I take it to the passage this morning on verse 18. There's something else that the man of God or the woman of God must do. It's he or she must pray. You must pray. And what's fascinating about this is Paul couldn't just finish with the armor of God and leave it there. He says you better pray or you're going to get pounced. You better pray or you're going to get pounded. You better pray or maybe the temptation is you're going to get puffed up. And it's really fascinating that he ends this great section of Scripture with a verse on prayer. Because he's talked about truth with the belt. He's talked about righteousness, the imputed righteousness of Christ with the breastplate. He's talked about knowing the gospel being the shoes. He's talked about faith putting up your shield. He's talked about salvation putting on that helmet. And he's talked about the Spirit by taking up the sword. So he's giving us all this tremendous truth, but he asks you, and I ask you this morning, do you pray? Do you pray? One commentator said this, he said, the magnificent and boundless blessings described in Ephesians are so enriching that Satan, interesting, will use them to turn our thoughts to ourselves as the blessed ones rather than the one who gives the blessing. End of quote. So prayer here is to pervade all that we do in spiritual warfare. And I thought, what better thing for my heart and for your heart because we learn so much, don't we? But the bottom line is this, that if you're not praying or I'm not praying, you will not win the battle. You will not win the battle. See, and the thought here that Paul's given is all the time we're warring, and all the time we're in battle, we are to pray. We're to pray. Now, prayer, if you look down in verse 18, it's not really listed as a piece of God's armor. Some people call it part of the armor. I don't think it's part of the armor. But you'd have to say that it's probably the most ultimate weapon in our fight against the devil. In our fight against rulers. In our fight against powers, and our fight against world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly places. So he tells us to pray. He tells us to pray. Now simply in verse 18, I call it the four alls of prayer. He gives us four points, or four alls, we might say, of how we should pray. He says in verse 18 with all prayer and petition. He says, pray at all times in the spirits." Thirdly, he says, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. And then fourthly, he says, pray for all the saints. And so he gives the four alls of prayer. And I'd even come to you this morning and say, if you want a, a method for prayer, or if you want, although I hate to say that, if you want a, a model for prayer that goes beyond just the Acts model, then I want to take you to what Paul communicated here through the Holy Spirit on the subject of prayer. You say, Scott, I want to pray more effectively. Well, let me take you to this text. And if you want to know how to pray, here's a text that we can come to this morning. And if you want to overcome the devil and overcome the flesh and overcome the fight, then you're going to need to pray. And if you want to be spiritually mature in the Christian life, then you're going to need to pray. And the ultimate answer is if you want to be a godly man or a godly woman, then you're going to be a man or woman that prays, that prays. So he gives us the four alls of prayer. Can I give you the first one? It's what we would title the variety of prayer. The variety of prayer. He says in verse 18, he opens that up there. He says, with all prayer and petition. With all prayer and petition. You say, Scott, what do I pray for? Well, he tells us. He says, with all prayer. He mentions that first word there in verse 18, prayer. And what's interesting about that word there in verse 18 is it's a very general word for prayer. It's not specific. It's a very broad term covering a number of different types of prayer. The thought is is that you are not only to pray in crisis situations or in difficult situations, I mean, isn't that real easy for us? Sometimes, really, the only time we truly pray is when we are in a fix, right? Or we're in some dire situation or some tremendous trial, then we really pray. But here's a general word for prayer. But I think we tend to pray at crisis time when maybe the grade isn't coming in That's sometimes we want. Or a relationship isn't going the way we want. Or maybe something on the athletic team isn't panning out the way we thought it would pan out. And we tend to pray in crisis times. You know, I remember one time when I was in my backyard, I was a little kid. And um, you know when you're a little kid, you just you just do dumb stuff, you know. And uh, I was in my backyard, actually it was my, my aunt's backyard, and there was this can of paint back there, black spray paint and uh, I was, must have been four or five at the time, and, and I was just dinking around with a hammer. You know when you're like a little kid, you just hit stuff all the time. And I, was, I started hitting this can of black spray paint. And then I started pounding it like, you know, you just want to smash things when you're a little kid. And you've seen that before. I smashed it, and what happened? I looked like a zebra. And there was paint everywhere. And, you know, my greatest fear was that I'd be like that for the rest of my life. Like a Dalmatian, you know, with pain all over me. And you can bet I was praying then because I was really, really nervous. You know, when you're a little kid, you tend to think weird stuff. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to look like a zebra the rest of my life. I'm going to look like 101 Dalmatians, you know. Boy, I was praying. You know, we pray in difficult times. I remember another time I was at one of those water slide deals. Remember those? You know, you just get on with your buddies and you go down. We always used to stop, push our hands against the wall, and all the ten guys would come down behind us. Then we'd all go down together just fighting each other. And, you, you know? and then they got onto to us after a while. We just At the top, we'd all go down. Then, they, then the, the security got on us at the top, and they'd radio and say, hey, stop these guys. They can't go down together. got to pace yourself 15 seconds apart and all that. So we just fix that because we'd send one guy down. He'd push his hands against the wall right around the bin and stop. So then all the 10 guys would come around the bend, and then we'd go, okay, let's go. And then we'd just fight each other all the way down. And we were going down, and what happened? I mean, you're looking at well over a 1,000 pounds with these guys. There's probably about 8 or 10 of us. And we were just flying. I mean, we were going so high on the bank that I was, like, going over the bank almost. I could see into the next lane, and I'd come over, you know. It was bad. And we'd, like, come up and go, hi, you know, hi, you know. And we were flying, and I, I, I had the unfortunate task to be the first guy down, and so all the guys were on top of me. And man, I was just, I was just rubbing skin, I mean these guys, and I was like, I can't wait till this thing gets over, and we were moving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and man, one time I went this way, and then I came back with my mouth against the other wall, and this went BOOM! Knocked out four teeth. Right on the side. Oh, it hurt. You know, it's really the funniest part. Then I swished into the bottom of the pool and I was looking for my teeth. (laughs) Like I'd really find them. There's about 15 lanes, and I go, "Where's my teeth? Where's my teeth?" (laughs) So dumb, huh? Like I was gonna find them. That's the funniest thing when the guys remember that. You know, and then I I went to the dentist. Right, and my teeth are out, and my nerves are exposed. And what did he do? Took that air gun. Ah, you know. And, you know, I was praying. I was praying. Oh, that that's a bad circumstance because there was a guy on our basketball team who had a silver tooth. And we used to call him High ho silver. And I didn't know. I was just 18. I didn't know they had caps and that stuff. And I thought I'd have a silver tooth. I oh, Lord, just find my teeth at the bottom of the pool, you know. And I was praying. You know, and I illustrate. I say that because, you know, what? we pray when it's tough. But Paul says here on the variety of prayer, he says you're to pray with all prayer. You know, there is there is no required place to pray. You understand that? You can pray standing, and I'm going to give you a, just a grocery list here, okay? And all of them come from Scripture, and I won't give you the Scripture. But you can pray standing. You can pray with lifting hands. You can pray sitting in the book of Judges. You can pray kneeling in the book of Mark. You can pray with uplifted eyes in John 17. You can pray bowing down in Exodus 34. You can pray on your face. In Matthew 26, you can pray with your head between your knees in 1 Kings. You can pray facing the temple, Daniel 6. You can pray smiting your breast, Luke 18. That's that's the posture of prayer. How about the place of prayer? You can pray in a battle, 1 Chronicles, you can pray in a cave, 1 Kings, you can pray in a closet, Matthew 6, you can pray in the garden, Matthew 26, you can pray on a mountain, Luke 6, you can pray by a river, Acts 16. You can pray by the sea, Acts 21. You can pray in a street, Matthew six. You can pray in God's house, First Kings eight. You can pray even in Hades, amazing, Luke sixteen. You can pray everywhere, First Timothy two. You can pray in bed, Psalm four. Although you got to be careful about that, don't you? Because you usually wake up about two hours later. And say, did I say Amen? Amen. Okay, then you. Go. You can pray everywhere. There's a variety of prayers. You can pray in a bed. You can pray in home. You can even pray in a fish, Jonah. Think about that. Go read the book of Jonah in 2. Would that have been weird? He's like, man, this is like bizarre in here. He's in a whale. And it says he prayed to the Lord. You can pray on the top of a house, Acts 10. You can pray in a prison. You can pray in the wilderness. You can pray on a cross. You can pray in heaven. You say, what about the times of prayer? You can pray in the early morning, Mark 1. You can pray in the morning, First Chronicles 23. You can pray three times a day, Daniel 6. You can pray in the evening, First Kings 18. You can pray before meals, Matthew 14, after meals. Deuteronomy 8, at the ninth hour, Acts 3. I mean, you get the point. The point is, is that when we look at the variety of prayer, Paul opens it up and he says, with all prayer. And you know what helps me about that? Is we think we got to be sitting somewhere, kneeling somewhere, and we can find prayer to a spiritual hour that we have somewhere with somebody. And I'm just telling you, Paul comes on the scene, he says, if you're going to win the battle, he says, there's a variety of prayer, and you just pray. And I'll tell you, there's been nothing more transforming for my own personal prayer life to know that I don't have to be at some place or at some purpose, but that I can pray. And that I can pray on the car, in the car coming over here. I can pray this morning when I wake up. I can pray when I drove out to the church this morning. See, you can pray anytime. You can pray when you're in trouble. Uh, Second Kings, you can pray daily. You can pray always. You, you can pray under any circumstance. Wearing a sackcloth, sitting in ashes... You can have your head shaved and pray. You can smite your breast. You can cry. You can rend your garments and pray. You can sigh. Ezekiel 9, you can groan. You get the point. Is with all prayer and petition. And the point here is if you're going to win the battle, huh? He says, yeah, you can know your doctrine. The question is, is, are you praying? See, that's the question. He says, man, you can know all the truth. You can have on the belt. You can have the sword. You can have the shield. You can have the gospel. You can have everything. But if you're not praying at all times under all varieties of prayer, then you know what? You're going to get knocked on your feet by the devil. I'll tell you that. That, You know what? We just need to be praying. And obviously, when we look at the types of prayer this last week, did you not confess? Did you not give thanksgiving? Did you not give intercession? Did you not adore God? Did you not meditate? Did you not... Just pray in quietness and even in song. See, all that. There's a variety of prayer. So we are to practice under a variety of situations and circumstances. And the point is is that prayer is a way of life. It's not something that you and me just do when we have a trial or we're in a difficult circumstance. We can pray about everything. But note this back in the text. He says, with all prayer, and I love this, he says, and what? Petition. Do you know what petition literally means? It literally means request. And it carries the thought here of a very specific request, of a very particular need. So he says, with all prayer and all petition. So you're to pray under a variety of circumstances, a variety of different kinds of prayers in different situations, but then he comes back and he says, with all petition. And he gives us, yeah, there's specific requests we have. There's specific needs we have. That's John 14, 3. It says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified through the Son. But isn't that encouraging? Yeah, you have particular needs, but just pray about everything. Pray about everything. Let me give you take you to a second point. Not only are we to have a variety of prayer, both general and specific, but note the time of prayer in verse 18. He says, with all prayer and petition, pray at what? All times at all times see you know at all times I just have here that's not just at meals that's not just at Thanksgiving it's not just at Christmas it's not when we're in a trial it's not when we're in a difficult relationship Paul's point here is if you're going to take on and put on the armor and stand you need to pray at all times and you know what that ultimately is? ultimately prayer is an act of worship is it not? I mean, remember when the woman at the well came to Jesus in John chapter 4 and, and she said, she said you, you say that people are to pray here and we say people are to, are to worship here and we say that we're to worship in this mountain. You know what she had done? She has localized worship to a place. And worship isn't a place necessarily. Worship is a way of life. And ultimately, if we're praying at all times, we're what? Worshiping God. Worshiping God that's the New Testament model. Let me show you just something. Look over in the book of Acts. Look over in Acts. Let me thumb you through a couple scriptures there. Just to show you the practice of the New Testament church. I just feel like we've gotten away a little bit from this. But Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it describes there the apostles, disciples there in the upper room, verse 14. Just note this. Acts 1:14 these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. I like that. They weren't just devoted to prayer, but the thought there is that they continually gave themselves to prayer. And I don't take that that they had a meeting. They probably did. I just think it became part of their life. Look over in Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 42. It tells us in verse 41 that the church began and 3,000 souls were saved. You say, what were they committed to? 42, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to what? Prayer. They just continually gave themselves to prayer. Look over in Acts chapter 10. Illustration here. I uh, like this. Of Cornelius, Acts ten one. It says, And there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared the Lord with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people, I like this, and prayed to God, what? Continually. I mean, all they kept doing was prayer and praying. You know what? I just would say to you that the true test of your spirituality and the true test of my spirituality is not what we know, it's really how much we pray. Because in that act it shows us how much we truly believe in God. And if we're finding ourselves in a priority position of prayer, you know the thought of Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing but by everything, by what? By prayer. We're not to be anxious, we're to pray about everything. Let me just note a couple scriptures for you about the time of prayer. Paul said in Philippians 1, four, Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. And he prayed. In Colossians, to the Colossian church, he said in Colossians 1.3, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. When he spoke of Epaphras in Colossians 4.12, he said, Epaphras, always laboring earnestly for you in prayer. And prayer is linked with that word always. A lot. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, you know it. Pray without what? Ceasing. Now, if you're always in a prayer meeting, you can't pray without ceasing, can you? But you know what? That's an encouragement to me. Because I think we feel so guilty over it. Oh gosh, I just not... Hey, look, it, pray the whole day. Live your whole life in an act of worship. Every little detail, whether it's item or some specific item, pray, and the time of prayer is at all times. He said in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, Paul said there, to this end also we pray for you always, always. And I could keep going. Paul in 2 Timothy 1.3. He told Timothy there, I thank my God whom I serve with a clear conscience, constantly remembering remembering you in my prayers day and night. Day he was always praying. I love David even in the Old Testament, in Psalms in fifty-five, verse seventeen and nineteen, he said this Evening, morning at noon, he said, I will complain and murmur. And the thought there is, is evening, morning, and noon, God, I'm gonna bring my my prayer, my petition, even my complaining in the sense that he just talked to God. That see, this is the time of prayer. Paul is saying is pray at all times. And as you do, you will be in constant communion with the Father. Pray at all times. See, we gotta pray. You know, and sometimes you know we pray this prayer and I've told our people, don't ask this. We say, Father, as we've come into your presence. Is that true? Do you ever come into the presence of God? Well, I suppose in a certain way, but how about this? You're always in the presence of God, right? Psalm 139. And we pray, Lord, as we come into your presence, as though we've not been in His presence, and then we come into His presence. Now, I can understand the thought there, that as we come directly face to face with you in communion. But you know what? We're always in His presence. Thomas Kelly, a Puritan, said this, He said there is a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level we can be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration, song and worship and a gentle receptiveness to divine breathings. End of quote. So you can pray at all times pray at all times. And then he says this, just note this back in Ephesians. He says, pray at all times in the Spirit. In the Spirit, he says. Well, what does that mean? Well, certainly it doesn't mean praying in tongues or praying in some kind of ecstatic speech. Rather, he's saying, pray at all times with the Spirit's help and in harmony with His will. That's what he's saying. He says, don't pray for your own will. Pray with in the Spirit's will. You know, I know sometimes my wife, when I leave in the morning, she just says, Scott, I'm praying for you. But she doesn't just say that. She says, I'm praying that you would be focused today. She "She wasn't praying that I'd have just a good day. She's praying that I would be a focused man on what I need to do. Robert Law said this, Prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It is getting God's will done on earth. So to pray in the Spirit is to pray according to His will. See, that's true spirituality, isn't it? That's true worship when we're at all times praying. See, and I ask you, do you pray in all circumstances, in all situations, and do you pray secondly at all times? See, you know, one of the temptations that I noticed with some of our men in particular at Grace Church is some of them really love doctrine. That's great. Some of them really love justification. Some of them really love sanctification. Some of them really love the doctrines of grace. Some of them even love eschatology. They love to study the reformers. They love to study the Puritans. But you know what the bottom line is? You can love all of that. But if you're not praying, then you have to ask yourself, how spiritual are you really? See, I know a lot of guys, in particular women, who love to talk a good game. And they can sound all right. but the bottom line is, what's your prayer life like? And I guess maybe this would be a good setting to say that and I come out of this setting and I went to the master seminar. and you know what, it's easy to get stuck but the question, men and women, is are we praying? Is all of our knowledge leading us to a greater time in prayer with the Lord Jesus Christ? See, and I want to be very specific and very frank with you this morning. If the knowledge about God and the things of God does not drive you to a greater prayer life and constant communion with God, then you can be sure of this, that your motivation and commitment to those doctrines are centered on your intellectual pride rather than on God. See, if you're just learning to learn, I mean, that was the essence, was it Michelle who prayed? Lord, may it not just be knowledge, may it go beyond that. And if all our learning that we've received here and that I've received at the seminary only in, ends on that, and doesn't lead us to a greater time of prayer with God, then we're missing spirituality somewhere. We're missing what God's called us to. You know, in fact, it's like some guys, you know, who love, you know, the five points of Calvinism so much, and, they, and it's like they defend that at all costs. I'm saying, man, you know what? Man, I don't like that. Because you have no compassion in your hearts. And when I look at Paul, who knew the book, Direct Revelation from God, you know what he said in Romans 10? He said, I could wish myself what? A curse." See, Paul's knowledge of God led him to compassion. It led him to prayer. He says, man, I wish myself a curse for the sake of their salvation. You know what Jesus did? And don't forget, Jesus was God. When He got on top of the mountain in Matthew 9, and when He saw the multitudes, you know what it led Him to do? It, it says that He felt compassion. You know, what? I'm afraid that we get to know so much... And yeah, we know the doctrine. We got the belt of truth on. We got the faith up. We got the helmet on. My question for you this morning and to myself, as I preach this to myself, is do we pray? Do we pray? And do you pray under all circumstances, situations? And are you praying at all times? And I don't want to make you guilty this morning. I just want to say, pray. Talk to your father. Come before him and cry out Abba. And that will lead us to a life of compassion. Listen to what my favorite man of God said, Martin Lloyd Jones very appropriate comment at this point. He says, our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the character of our prayer life. It is more important than knowledge and understanding. He says, do not imagine that I am detracting from the importance of knowledge. I spend most of my life trying to show the importance of having a knowledge of truth and an understanding of it. This is vitally important. There is only one thing that is more important. And that is prayer. The ultimate test of my understanding of scriptural teaching is the amount of time I spend in prayer. He goes on to say, as theology is ultimately the knowledge of God, the more theology I know, the more it should drive me to seek to know God. Not to know about Him, but to know Him. The whole object of salvation is to bring me to the knowledge of God. I may talk learnedly about regeneration, but what is eternal life? It is that they might know thee, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He says this, wrapping it up. He says, if all my knowledge does not lead me to prayer, he says there is something wrong somewhere. It is meant to do that. The value of the knowledge is that it does it, it, The knowledge is that it gives me such an understanding of the value of prayer that I devote time to prayer and delight in prayer. He says, if it does not produce these results in my life. There is something wrong and spurious about it, or else I am handling it in a wrong manner. The trouble I am in, he says the trouble I am I am convinced is that we tend to stop putting on the whole armor of God. Here we are, we say to ourselves, complete, and so the devil puffs us up with our knowledge and therefore defeats us. See, we can easily get puffed up because of what we know, and he says there the ultimate test is do you pray and do you spend time in prayer? Let me take you to a third point, okay? It's the attitude of prayer. Back in Ephesians. Back in Ephesians. He says there, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times, with this in view. Then he says, be on the alert with all what? Perseverance. Boy, that's so, such a good point from the Word of God. He says, with all perseverance. He says, be on the alert. And you know what the alert means, literally? I say this because I have to chuckle because sometimes I'm guilty of this. It means to stay awake. That's what it means to be alert. It means literally to lie sleepless. It means to pass a sleepless night. It means to suffer insom- insomnia, to be watchful, to be diligent. Ultimately, to persevere in prayer. So the third point is the attitude of prayer. And the attitude is one of perseverance. And I think what, what Paul's getting at there through the scripture is that we give up, huh? We stop persevering, we stop knocking. We stop asking. We stop coming to God. And Paul's saying here that if you really want to grow in your prayer life, yeah, there's a variety of prayer. There's time of prayer. But there's an attitude and the attitude is one of persevering. Have you given up somewhere on the Lord? Or do we just not believe in the power of God? You know that I always say that famous story of George Mueller who prayed for that one man to come to know the Lord. His friend at a very young age he prayed over 70 years that the guy would come to know the Lord. In fact, he was praying for five men over 70 years and four of them came to know the Lord in his lifetime and then George Wheeler died and finally the fifth one gave his life to the Lord after he died and all five of them he prayed for like somewhere between 50 to 70 years for him. Amazing. I just think we give up on prayer. Look over at Luke 18 for a second. Let me just give you one illustration. This is funny, I think. And I think it illustrates the attitude of perseverance in prayer. It's kind of funny. This is in Luke 18, chapter 1. Jesus telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not, what, lose heart. 18.2, He told them this parable. There was a certain city judge who did not fear God and did not respect man, but there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to Him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while, He was unwilling. You know, get out of here, lady. But afterward, He said to Himself, even though I do not fear God, nor respect man. He said, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she what? Wear me out. I mean, this woman was just a nag. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do it just to get her off my back. Just to get her off my back. And the Lord illustrated that using prayer. In verse 6, he says, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect? who cry to Him day and night, and will He delay long over them? The point is, is are we giving up? The point is, is, are we persevering like that woman did? Or do we continually come to God, or do we just lose faith? Do we just lose heart? Oh God, he, I guess that's just an answer no. Or do we just keep praying, keep praying? So you know why we need to keep praying? Who's our enemy? The devil. The devil. And so He said to be on the alert... And be of sober spirit. Why? Because the devil prowls about like a roaring lion. And there's just this attitude of alertness, of watchfulness, of perseverance. Don't give up. And let me take you to the fourth point in Ephesians. Let me just wrap it up here. You pray. Use this model. And this is the objects of prayer. He says, Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for what? All the saints. I love that. These are the objects of prayer see other passages of scripture tell us that we are to pray for unbelievers, we're to pray for the government, we're to pray for leaders, but here, it's interesting, the focus and the objects of our prayers for all the saints. Why? Because only the saints are in the spiritual battle. They're in the spiritual battle, and he says you've got to pray for them. And what's fascinating here, and I won't take you through it, but all through the New Testament, just open to the first chapter of every book, and I guarantee you that Paul opens his book and says, man, I'm praying for you. Man, that's all he did. And you say, well gosh, did he just sit down and pray for an hour? No, you know what it was? Paul prayed everywhere he went. Every, I don't, you know what? I'd be hard pressed to say, and it'd be interesting to see if we can find it, if Paul just had like an organized prayer meeting. You know what I think? I just think his whole life was prayer. Like whole, how can he say I'm praying for you always if he was kneeling down I just think wherever he went he was praying for the saints see and ultimately I want you to understand that this point here on praying for the saints could be the best thing that you or I will ever do for another believer do you believe that? see we're so into the age of helping people and equipping people but really the point is, is do we pray? do we pray? have you interceded for anybody lately? have you come before God and say they need to be mature they need to grow? And you know what it is? I'll be honest with you. You know why we don't pray for people? Bottom line, we spend too much time thinking about who? ourselves. I think we're just in that society. I think we spend so much time thinking about ourselves, thinking about our problems, thinking about our trials, that we don't spend time in prayer anymore because we're focused on ourselves. And Paul says here, if you really want to model prayer, you really want to stand in the battle, you really want to put your armor on, you can do all that, but the last thing that you got to do is you got to pray. And you got to pray for all the saints because we're all in the battle together. We're all in the battle together and we need to bring our brothers and sisters before the Lord. Boy, I tell you, that sometimes make me makes me guilty because I feel like, man, Scott, are you interceding for your people? Are you praying for your flock? And man, I've been learning to start mentioning them more by name because I realize God tells us in Ephesians to pray for all the saints. But that's the objects of our prayer. So we need to pray. We need all prayer and petition. We need to pray at all times in the Spirit. We need to be on the alert with all perseverance and we need to pray for all the saints. You know, I think that we could probably reread this verse and say that most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers, with some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. But I think if we were to replace that word some with the word all, I think we would truly be a godly man and truly be a godly woman. And I just trust that, you know, we'll take these things and say, God, am I praying more? Is what i am learning leading me to a greater communion and focus with Him? Or is it just stuffing me and filling me and making me an uncompassionate man or woman? Whatever it might be. Examine yourself. Because I would say this, the true test, wouldn't this be fair? The true test on a thermometer of spirituality is do we pray? Do we pray? And you know what? I think there's a lot of people in the battle who got all the right truth, got all the right doctrine, they got all the right theology, but they're prostrate on the ground, failing in their life because of sin, because they're not praying. Because you know what? You can put all that armor on, but Paul says, you know what? You better wrap and pervade the whole armor, the full armor of God in prayer. You know what? He's going to rip your head off. He's going to rip your head off. You know, we've made Satan some guy with a pitchfork and two horns coming out of his head at Halloween. But you know, he's out to rip your head off. He's out to destroy you. He's out to just destroy your life, and he will do anything that he can. And I think one of the ways that he specifically does that is he gets us thinking we're okay. See, and we need to understand what Danny sung about. And I, I, just Even as he was singing, I was saying, Lord, I don't understand that like I should. I should be walking in dependence upon you all the time. Can we pray more? Let's pray right now. Father, thank you so much for our time. Lord, I pray that we would just be motivated and mobilized and moved by the Spirit of God to pray. God, I I thank you that you just haven't called us to some theology that's divorced from a lifestyle. God, I thank You that You've called us to a relationship and that You even let us pray to You, that we can come into Your presence. God, thank You for that privilege. I pray that You'd encourage our heart. I pray that You would teach us to pray more. Father, I'm amazed that the disciples only asked Jesus one thing, to teach Him, at least that's according to the Scripture. They asked Him to teach Him how to pray. And I think it's obviously because... The Lord Jesus Christ was always praying, and they saw His life. And Lord, I'm afraid sometimes in our fast-paced, microwave Christianity, God, that we don't know the quiet place in our heart, even walking in the day. And Father, I pray especially for these students. Lord, they have a unique um, responsibility in, in a very different way than many of the students I would know at UCLA. But, Father, they're, they're just as much challenged to put the armor on and not only to put it on, but to pray. In fact, maybe that would be the greatest exhortation to a people who are well taught. And I thank you for the privilege, Lord, that you've given them and even me to hear the Word. Father, may it drive us to greater times in prayer. And may we just walk in dependence upon you, Lord, because I think at the heart and the core of prayer is humility when we say, I can't do it by myself. I can't do it in my own power. I can't handle this trial. I can't handle this circumstance. I can't walk in the Spirit today unless I'm constantly depending on You. Father, burn these things into our heart. And I pray that we'll change from this time. Lord, I thank You even for just the reminder in my own heart that we just need to be praying and that I need to be praying all the time. Father, sear these things upon our heart that we might be different men and women when we walk out than when we came in. God, we thank You for the wonderful time and reminder that we've had from the Apostle Paul, and as we fight and we stand and we're seeking to keep our ground and not lose it, may we just walk in dependence upon you even this day. And Father, even as they go home this week to, to family, some of them to unsaved family, God, empower them. May they be a witness, and may they not worry how to say this or how to say that. May they just trust you and depend upon you and cling to you and come before you with a clean and pure heart, just dependence upon you. God, thank you for our time this morning. We have-